So, hi everyone, welcome back to episode four of the Common Ground podcast with myself and Sarah. And today we're joined by a good friend of ours, Rohan. Hello. Um, uh, sorry, oh, <laughs> this is so... We're still getting the hang of this remote calling thing. Um, mm. Just wanted to say, like, we've just recently put our um, podcast up on Spotify uh, and we're really pleased with that. Especially want to thank Kieran for his amazing cover art. Um, I'm, like, I think it looks really cool. And anyone who's helped us already, like Cade with the music and all of our yeah. friends who have posted it and shared it, like it's really heartwarming. We weren't expecting it. And so the fact that people are so supportive is just like lovely of you. Um, this episode, just for reference, is being recorded on Saturday, 28th of March, 2020. And we are joined by our dear friend, Rohan. Hello. Uh, yep. um, do you want full name out there? I mean, if you want, go for it. I'm going to be honest with you, this will be the time where I learn how you properly want your surname pronounced. Can you just go for <laughs> it? Because I'm always like, I'm like, Bihari, Bihari, I don't know. Don't I'll... worry, it's, it's, it's a common uh, common thing for people to say. I feel so bad though, because it's like, it's important, it's your name. Don't but... worry, uh, hello everyone, my name is uh, Rahan Bihari, yes. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen our other episodes with guests, but we do essentially like our version of an ASL thing, where... If you could please give us your age, your year group, um, what A-levels you're doing, um, what a particular area or any future aspirations you may or may not have, like an area you might want to go into. And if you had to pick a topic to talk about in depth, what would it be? So I'm 17. I'm in year 12, uh, currently studying maths, physics and chemistry. In an ideal world, I'd love to go into astronomy or astrophysics. And again, that's a topic field I'm passionate when it comes. I'm passionate about when it comes to talking about it. Hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say every time I hear someone say um, astronomy or astro, like just the word astronomy, I just think of or, and astrology. I think of there's that scene from The Bachelor where this guy he's like, oh, I'm an astrophysicist or something, and the girl's like, oh my god, I love star signs, and that's just <laughs> what it makes me think. <laughs> Yes, that's his special topic of interest as a school fellow. <laughs> He's going to predict our future. Yep. Um, so, um, guys, how has your first week of isolation been going? Yeah, Corona. Well, you first, Rohan, your special guest. Um, well, to be honest with you, it's been surprisingly all right. Um, I was expecting it to drag out, be quite boring, but I've managed to keep myself entertained, so... Mm. what sort of stuff have you been doing i mean aside from just daily sort of moping about procrastinating you know as you do um i've been working out Ooh, yeah we've both we've both been trying yeah. to do um fitness every day i think it's quite good uh to have something that you do regularly as like a routine mm. and it's also uh definitely good for mental health and things like that just to have some form of exercise whether it's going for a run or as we do like youtube workouts <laughs> oh my god that's yep. what i've been doing too it's weird because yeah. you have to get over the initial embarrassment of like looking at yourself and thinking what am i doing but I yeah once you hard. get over that and you're like you realize after your first one like they come in like half an hour chunks you're like that felt really good and then you go on to another one it's like yeah it's 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 nice to be doing something yeah i agree but yeah um miranda how's your one week update on self-isolation I mean, honestly, the same. Um, I've discovered that I'm definitely an early bird. And so I've been trying to kind of get all my schoolwork done in the morning and then um, just exercising and relaxing, really. I would love to say that this has been the time when I discovered like a hidden talent for drawing <laughs> or something like that. But unfortunately, I've not been the most productive. Um, but I do think in a time of global crisis, I know everyone's saying, like, oh, now's a good time to kind of get creative, practice something you haven't done in a while but that puts a lot of pressure on people who are just trying to kind of deal with it every day and so yeah I'm just relaxing really and trying not to worry about um everything that's going on in the world mm. I think for me I I had like a really if I put it out there I'm gonna be honest it sounds like a really unproductive week because I literally did nothing but it's weird because I remember getting off of school and thinking I really need a break. Like the week that we broke up was like the week where it's like, get your English coursework done, get your yeah. done. And it was like, all of us were so, so stressed out. And I was like, 
I'm going to give myself so this week, so tomorrow will be my last day of just being ridiculously lazy, not having much of a pattern and just feeling like I'm on holiday is what I'm trying to do. And then from Monday, I'm actually going to start a schedule where what I plan on doing is some form of exercise in the morning, get myself ready and then get into schoolwork. And then after schoolwork's done, I'd say around afternoon time, what I want to do is either do extra revision or just preparation for other things because obviously there's finding out what's going on with EMAT and UCAT. I know some people are already starting on their personal statements. So I want to kind of go into something a bit more productive like that for me. But one thing Miranda and I were talking about is along this idea of like people saying, get creative, do all this, is I want to find a new hobby. Sorry about that noise. But yeah, I, w- I want to find a new hobby where like, because I feel like I was thinking about it. I don't really have any anymore. I remember like in the earlier years of secondary school, I was doing so much. I was like, yeah, I want to do this and this. And then in recent years, I think I just sort of dropped it all. And so I said for an hour every week or every day, I'm going to try something new and see what sticks. So that's my like little thing that I'm trying to get done as well. That's a really good idea. I think um, there's, again, a lot of pressure on kind of being good at something. Yeah. And um, people don't necessarily appreciate how nice it is just to try something. You know, I quite like drawing. I'm terrible at it. But it doesn't take away the joy of just trying something a little bit different. Um, so I think that's a really good idea for you to just try something. And if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, then there's no pressure to kind of be good at it. You're not being marked on it, you're not being judged on it. And now is a good opportunity just to mess around and maybe try something that you wouldn't have necessarily tried before. That's so weird, though, because you say, like, um, you're not being marked on it. I have I've a question now because I just it made me realize something when was the last time you did something and it wasn't something that was going to be like assessed or like for school or for something outside of school where like marks and validation mattered yeah like and I mean I can't remember the last time I did something just for the sake of doing it you know I would like to tell myself because I for the sake of the podcast those who don't know me I'm, I'm quite into kind of photography and film and stuff like that mm. And I would love to say that I do that just for the fun of it. But then I go and post it on Instagram. And although it's not being marked, it's still for that validation. And I I don't know whether I can detach the joy of creating from the joy of getting some sort of feedback from it. Mm. Um, and that is a really good point, actually, because I think because people our age, we've been through so much at school where everything's about getting results and getting marks that we do feel like everything we do has to be for a reason and I honestly can't remember doing something just for me I don't know yeah Rohan thoughts I I, I agree with you Miranda like honestly yeah but Rohan yeah no I it's definitely been a while since I did something just for the sake of doing it especially around this sort of age this sort of time in our lives where exams are coming at us thick and fast assessments are coming at us We've just had GCSEs, we've started A-levels and it's sort of going in head first. A lot of things now assessed and they require you to put in effort with the intent of getting something back out. It's it's difficult to, to, to think about because I can't remember the last time. Um, really sorry, does anyone know what that noise is? No, I'm trying to figure that out. I think we'll just have to ignore it. Also apologies because there's a lot of wind going on in the background, I don't know. no sorry we can't we can't hear it um well speaking of like getting feedback on things etc um i did want to just say something about our last week's podcast um where (laughs) our intention was just to talk about like different stakeholders etc and i know um miranda and i both keep saying we're still working on it we're trying to improve this podcast like even up until our very last episode i don't think it'll ever be something that we we're like oh yeah we're happy with it as is we're always trying to improve it as such i did want to make it clear that we are aware that there are other stakeholders that we couldn't quite get around to talk about um and i think um part of that is obviously because we spoke about this in depth apologies it's a bell in the background but we spoke about this in depth in real life um it's not that we mean to ostracize anyone i realize one of like the more notable communities that we spoke about or that we didn't speak about sorry um was those who suffer from mental health issues and um we talk about our isolation and we're all being as social as we can while social distancing i know that sounds kind of counterintuitive but like we're all talking to each other as a friend group we're all obviously with our families um 
And one thing I wanted to just kind of, I guess, discuss as a group is actually the effect that socialisation uh, has both on people with mental health issues, but also um, on some of the people from uh, some of our senior citizens who live by themselves as well. Um, and I figured that could just be something that we talk about for a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I think um, even before this uh, whole kind of isolation thing came about, there's been a lot, I've heard a lot about um, the damaging effects of loneliness, especially on old people, and how it, loneliness can genuinely affect not just your mental health, but your physical health as well. Um, and so I think it's, this time must be really, really difficult for people with mental health issues. Um, especially, I've seen a lot about kind of the vocabulary that's being used in the media. Words like self-isolation mm. and social distancing. Uh, I've seen a lot of people trying to kind of change it and refer to it as physical distancing instead of social distancing, which I found really interesting because obviously, um, although we're not allowed to see anyone or kind of touch anyone, communicate with anyone that we don't live with, sorry, I say communicate in terms of literally going out to see yeah. them, there's nothing stopping us from still being social and still communicating like we are now, you know, I'm on FaceTime with my friends all the time. Mm. And I think maybe just by changing the words that we use, from social distancing to physical distancing i wonder whether that would take away some of the kind of negativity around this and maybe help people feel like they're not that alone because obviously the word isolation as well is very kind of daunting it's it makes you feel really alone and i do wonder whether kind of constantly being bombarded with those kind of words could have a more damaging effect on somebody um especially if they are if they do have poor mental health in terms of making them feel more lonely than they already are, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, Rohan, thoughts? I mean, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of what's going on now is, I don't want to say it's a social construct, but in a way it's sort of like, it's not an actual, th- I, I, can't, I can't really articulate what I'm trying to say. Go on, just go for it. Just take a second. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the idea of social distancing has just been... It's just sort of manifested. It's not an actual phenomenon. I agree with Miranda in the sense that you can be away from someone without having to call it not being social. I mean, example in is this podcast, for example. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that physical distancing would be a better phrase to use, I agree with completely. I think, yeah, just playing off of that. Um, I like to think this podcast is a modern one, which is, is a modern one, so I completely fumbled that. Um, which is why Miranda and I like often make reference to like things we see in the internet. And like something I saw, um, I know like a lot of the time I come to these podcasts and I'm like, oh yeah, I saw this and this. But um, it was it's like literally putting that into practice. There's it was someone took a picture of how their neighbourhood social socialises while social distancing. Obviously now I'm gonna start saying physical distancing because I completely agree it's a better turn of phrase. But it was literally just all the dads in the neighbourhood stood in like a hexagon, six feet apart, just having a beer and having a conversation. And then similarly, um, I think some people had a book club going on in the same neighbourhood where like they just sat out on chairs that were six feet apart and they just had conversations. And I think like although it might seem bizarre or foreign to us, it's it's all it's very possible to stay united and see each other and have companionship without necessarily having to be right next to each other and going about our daily lives. I've seen a lot of other stuff where um, there's like reference to this idea of like selfish behaviour, which for the most part, I wholly agree with where there are people who are just being very, I, I don't want to make presumptions about how they view the pandemic, but I think it goes without saying that carrying on with your normal life. So going out with your friends, doing all sorts of things, which obviously is no longer possible in the UK because there have now like we've been put on lockdown essentially but in other parts of the world it definitely is and like they're just i think it's so reckless that people are unaware that maintaining that distance is so crucial like it's so important and it saves so many lives by doing so and i think yeah it's just the fact that you have other people who are maintaining social distance while also having this united sense of community showing that it can be done i feel like they're just great examples of people i guess doing it right um like there was like another thing where it's chrissy teigen who is uh john legend's wife she tweeted out i'll trade banana bread with anyone who has three romaine lettuces 
and then she they completed a trade like literally she got in touch with someone and they met in a car park and they used their kids little toy car to stand six feet apart and they pushed it across to transport their goods and it was something so bizarre and random but it was like see we can still do things you know and I, I like seeing things like that. I like people kind of using it as an excuse to have fun as well without breaking any rules. Yeah, I, I do think that obviously there's so much kind of pessimism around this. And obviously, it's a horrible thing to happen, but it does make you realise kind of the capacity of humanity to have hope and to kind of keep a sense of community. And even though we're all, as I said, like physically away from everyone, I do feel like we're all really connected as well. Um, not to sound cheesy, but I just think, I know Rohan, me and you have talked quite a bit about how lucky we feel for this yeah. to be happening to us in this uh, generation where we're able to just talk to each yeah. other over the phone without kind of having to trade along cable somewhere. Yeah. And we can actually, you know, group call and we can see each other's faces. And it really relieves the loneliness that I think I would have definitely felt if we didn't have the sort of technology available. And it's just, it's really reassuring to know that obviously a global pandemic affects everyone and to be able to feel like there's more people in your life than just the members of your household, I think is really important just to kind of keep hope and keep optimism. Oh yeah. And I think another thing that's being launched are, there's a bunch of schemes that people can sign up to where it's if you're able-bodied and healthy, you can go out and complete tasks like shopping etc for people so particularly for the elderly but anyone who just is at risk and won't be able to do it themselves and i think the fact that these schemes are being set up is just like such a heartwarming example but one thing i did want to ask is so we're talking about this idea of like connectivity and how like it is a lot easier for us to do it i think it's important though to encourage people who so a lot of the time we think to ourselves if a person doesn't reach out so if they don't act because there's a lot of people with mental health difficulties what i'm trying to say who won't feel capable like they won't be able to bring themselves to literally make that phone call because they are in yeah. a low place and they're struggling a lot and so one thing i did want to say is if you're able to um and if you're someone who knows that you're i guess not struggling as much with your mental health is i'd just like to encourage people just to reach out and make that phone call to someone who you think hasn't been contacting you recently or seems to have dropped off the radar because we don't know like I know how easy it is for us to connect but some people even with all the means of doing so still can't quite I guess build the confidence or the will to do it because it's still such a difficult thing for them um, yeah and yeah so if anyone listening to this like is kind of I, I know we don't have like a broad listening but if anyone who is is either struggling or thinks they know someone who might be please I know it might be difficult but please do reach out um we're always here for a call um yeah and there's there's, there's yeah, always <laughs> someone who's there um, and i just wanted to put that out there because i know it, it can be very difficult in these times you know and i i think also to those who are you know in good mental health and are able-bodied put their effort in to kind of maybe reach out to that friend you haven't spoken to for a while your elderly relatives yeah. as well i know um, <laughs> my grandparents have set up skype and so now we're able to call them um and just things like that, obviously, because if you're privileged enough to be in good mental health, then there's a certain responsibility, I think, to, you don't have to do much, just check up on people who you know could be struggling. Yeah. Um, especially in times like these when, you know, as you said, you have the capacity to communicate with people, but often there are kind of hidden barriers that a lot of us may not even know about. And we're, we're, very, we're very lucky that we have, well, I personally am lucky that I haven't experienced anything like that before, but I'm sure there are many people out there who have. Yeah, 100%. I think, mm. but then, this is just such a segue, I know, but it's, it's because in an effort to better our podcast, we've kind of got like a list of topics to talk about. So it might seem a bit, I guess, jumpy to anyone listening. But I, another thing I want to talk about is while we've got very, I guess, I'd, I'd call them micro problems in the sense that we're zooming in on like the individual's life and we're saying this is how they're affected. On a global scale, it's weird to see how, like, life goes on, as it were. Like, mm-hmm. like there's still, I guess, I don't, like... Okay, so people who work in, like, development of new technology, like rockets, for example, they're probably still, like, 
working and like like I don't quite know how to move it, but like the sun is still setting, and there are people who are literally just going about their everyday life because they have such crucial jobs. And obviously, yeah. we talk, spoke about like medical staff, etc. But do you guys know? Because I actually don't of any other like sectors or jobs where people are like being told, "Oh no, still come into work because we need you." Um, I've heard there's been quite a lot of controversy around um, people working in construction. Mm wherein they're being yeah. told to go to work but then they're being told to maintain that uh kind of suggested distance but when you're in a like a construction site you can't really maintain that distance and it's quite difficult for them because obviously they need to be paid but they're not going to be paid if they're not going to work and that's it's putting them in a compromising position yeah but then they have to weigh that up against the fact that well they still need money um yeah i just think that's quite an interesting situation for people who of still being told to go into work even though it's putting them in a position where they could potentially be in contact with someone else yeah but because they're still being told to go into work they sort of have to because they need that money Mm. yeah it is strange or like i guess sanitation workers would fall under that i think so people who just work in i guess government or or, um local council roles if we're talking about the uk because like the bins still needs to be collected you know or like, um, yeah. if there's faults in like sewage pipes, for example, people still need to go and fix those things. And I guess that's still happening. But what I'm trying to kind of navigate around to, as the next, I guess, topic on our list, is um, I know we also said we didn't want just to focus on Corona each week. We want this podcast to be something where people get to talk, like, or like people get to listen to something that isn't the global pandemic. And so. Yeah. If we're talking about jobs that are still happening, Rohan, I know that your EPQ focused a little bit on this, but it's the idea of like space travel. And yeah. I just wanted to know, in a world where we're all screaming our heads off saying, oh my God, I'm Robin and I, can you still picture us like making any progress in that sector? What with this like pandemic going on? So it's sort of a tough one to call because when I did my research, I sort of looked at the next 100 years. And of course, in doing that, I would never have considered in a million years the, the prospect of what we're facing right now. Um, it never crossed my mind at the time. But, you know, having put more thoughts into it recently, I think it all depends on how humanity responds in the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be the sort of deciding factor. If, if it's managed well, if... Um, if people can keep it under control, but also maintain the same level of progress, which obviously is a lot easier said than done, but it can still be done. Um, If that can happen, then I think, yeah, I think very soon we will have more major advancements in things like space travel, uh, maybe even sending people to Mars. Of course, that you would imagine might be the next step in humanity's journey, but this is an obstacle we're going to have to overcome first. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. Um, So I just kind of wanted to move a little bit away from uh, the pandemic and everything and just talk a little bit more about um, your EPQ, Rohan. And obviously, you know, my favourite part of your EPQ, um, (laughs) as a member of the Common Ground podcast where we love ethics um, and we love debating... Uh, I would just like to bring up this idea. You mentioned going to Mars. And um, when you were talking about it in your presentation, you talked a bit about how it would be a last resort. And I think um, in times like these, definitely an idea of a last resort or maybe even moving planets um, is quite an interesting one. And I think, Sarah, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, uh, as well as obviously yours, Rohan. Do we think it is the right of humanity to colonise another planet, even if there's no kind of discernible life on there as we we think that we're the most intelligent beings does that give us the right to colonize another planet with another human population okay um i'm trying to think about whenever i hear the idea of like colonies and being made i just think about the british empire of the past and i think no no way we shouldn't do that bad idea history doesn't need to repeat itself but then you bring in this idea that there isn't any discernible life in these in these places. So essentially, they're just 
empty homes is what I'd call it. And then you start to think it's a difficult one because as much as I th- I would say overall I'm in favour of space like space exploration, I'm in favour of like a lot of other things because I think that for the sake of knowledge and just learning about the universe that we live in, I think it's an amazing thing. And I think the people who work towards it are incredibly intelligent and it's something that I really do want to learn more about. So hopefully Rohan can help educate me on that. But then you've got to think about it in the sense that human beings, as imperfect as they are, are going to try and turn it into a business thing. And that's where I get a little bit iffy with it, I guess, where someone is essentially going to try and claim ownership of a section of land that doesn't actually belong to them because people forget this world and all other worlds don't actually belong to us. We just happen to be the current people or the current civilization inhabiting it. And so that could all very easily change over the next few hundreds or thousands of years. And so in that sense, I think if humanity wants to save itself and if we find ourselves in like these global crises, like I guess through climate change, etc., that movies often depict it in, the idea of migrating to another planet is if it's feasible and if it works is a great one. But then you kind of get this idea of hierarchy and class systems being put in place where it's kind of obvious that there are met like a significant members of society, like a population of society. I'd say anything below the top 1% are at risk of just being actually having to suffer because they won't be able to afford that. And so then I think actually a lot of like the moral uh, uh, dispute comes actually not between our right to go to those places or to colonize those places but between who gets to go and who owns it and actually they're very much interconnected in humanity itself as opposed to humanity's relation with that place if that makes sense i don't know if it does <laughs> but, i i understand what you're what you're saying yeah oh sorry i just dropped something Oops. but yeah carry on <laughs> yeah you know i'm just saying i understand what you're saying but yeah your thoughts rohan because you're you're our resident expert yeah. I mean, to call me an expert, I mean, it's a stretch, but... Uh, Don't worry, next week we'll have Brian I... Cox on. He'll wipe the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Fine by me. Um, I think, yeah, it is It is a tough one. And, again, I think linking it to colonialism and history, it's it does have its own negative connotations, doesn't mm. it? But it all, it all comes down to whether the general consensus is that this is the right step for humanity uh and i think you you're bound to have disputes over power i mean even here on earth we've had disputes over who's in charge who gets to do this who gets to do that for centuries millennia you know and i don't want i don't want to say it's inevitable but at the same time Mm. it kind of is right it's it's almost a necessary evil okay how about we set up a scenario? Because like, I feel like that's the best way to properly understand. So we're on Earth, something bad, I don't want anything bad to happen, but something bad happens. Let's call it like a climate crisis where, for whatever reason, it's no longer safe for humanity as a whole to populate Earth. Um, and so let's say we have to colonise Mars and it, we've got all the technology and means of doing it. Elon Musk has done amazing work, done it for us all. Um, and everything set up. First of all, like uh, this was Miranda's original question, um, do we have a right to even launch those rockets and actually live on that planet? Um, because it's different from what I was saying, where we go to those planets to explore and learn. Whereas in this scenario, we'd be going there to live there. Second of all, how do we think people decide who gets to go? Because obviously there'll be tickets and prices and charging. And so how does that work? And third of all, what are the moral and ethical implications of like the entire process? And once you get onto Mars, how does society function there? That's what I want to hear. Go for it, Rohan. <laughs> so, okay, so going back to the first point there, do we have a right? Now, as part of my research, I conducted a survey and I know, yeah, I had 70 year 12 uh, respondents. It's probably not the most representative sample, but it's something. Mm. Um, and an overwhelming majority said, yes, we have a right. But what intrigued me was that 
a nearly identical majority also said that we're going to do to Mars what we've done to Earth, i.e. cause another climate crisis. And I found that interesting because it made me question, why should we have a right if all that's going to happen is we're going to see the same scenario a couple of thousand years from now? It only contradicts the very reason we went to Mars in the first place, if we are to. But as far as rights go, again, it's another human construct. I mean, in the animal kingdom, you don't often see an animal do something because they have a right to or because they or refrain from something because they don't rather. They'll just do, you know, what their instinct says and as far as humanity's history is concerned, their instinct has always been to to expand, to grow as a species. I mean, from the point we started evolving as Homo sapiens, our first instincts were to to move out of Africa, to expand and grow into the, the huge world that surrounded us. And I think it's sort of natural for us to say, yeah, our next step is to expand beyond this world. Our next step is to go somewhere else. And Mars is the best candidate. So our next step is to go to Mars. In that sense, I think, yes, it is all right. Mm, okay. Um, quickly, I just wanted to like, know, why is Mars the best candidate? Because I actually, I, I don't know too much about, um, I guess, just this field as a whole. Um, why, why do you think? So the thing with Mars is, well, for one, it's close. Um, obviously, you've got other planets in the solar system, uh, the closest ones, of course, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter. And Mars is the best candidate for two general reasons. One, it's the others are all, I'm not going to lie, they're quite terrible. <laughs> Mercury, the, t- the temperatures are hot enough to melt most substances on the surface. Uh, same thing with Venus. And with Venus, the atmosphere is toxic, so that's probably not helpful. And uh, Jupiter doesn't even have a solid surface, <laughs> so... Again, not ideal. But Mars, Mars is none of those things. And not only that, but it's actually got water ice. And as, as I'm sure you know, uh, water is probably the most fundamental substance to human development, human existence even. Mm. So the, the, the fact that there's actual water ice on Mars is a huge plus. Mm. So, so do you think that Obviously, if we were to move to Mars, it would, as we already said, be because we've done something to mean the Earth is uninhabitable. I think I've already touched on this a little bit, but this idea that we just do exactly the same to Earth. I personally think that kind of due to the fact that we want to keep expanding, greed is sort of in humanity's nature as a whole. And I wonder whether we will have the capacity to learn from our mistakes of whatever we've done to earth that will put us in that situation um or whether we'll be so blinded by kind of consumerism and greed and trying to make mars a second earth in that have the same sort of like capitalist economy that most countries have have the same ideals trying to kind of build a world where everyone's fighting for more money everyone's fighting for more status or whether we have to be kind of humbled by whatever happened to us and whether a move to Mars would create a society that's very different to the one we're living in now or whether nothing will change and we'll just kind of recreate a second Ooh. Earth. Mm. Does that make yeah. sense? What I'm I, trying to I, say? I, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, uh, I was just going to say to that question, I'm just thinking about different responses I would give where if you'd asked me like years ago, I, I'm very, I used to very much be like an optimist for human behaviour and I would have 100% said, yeah, we can change, we'll do things different, we'll do things better. But now I'm thinking, and this, like, I guess, links to what I was saying a little bit earlier, if we're being realistic about what humanity is like, the people who get to go to Mars will be the richest ones, the people who can afford it. Mm-hmm. And currently on Earth, it's the richest ones who are doing very little, and in fact, in many ways, perpetuating the climate crisis, like to aid the climate crisis. Um yeah. And it's like you have these big oil corporations who are owned by like a single rich individual who are polluting the earth and like are making things so much worse. And so if they're doing it on earth for profit, the second they get a chance to do anything on Mars for profit, they will do it. That's in their nature. That's how they survive. And that's how they do well. 
Um, and so if I had to give like a, I guess a skeptical slash brutally honest answer, I I think that it will just be the same thing without like although Mars would represent I guess a fresh start for humanity, where maybe they could put in some very clear legislation from the start. You do not do this. You do not do this. You do not do this. While that's possible, you could argue that today on Earth, although it wasn't implemented right from the beginning, there is that legislation in place and they still find ways to get around it. And so I think as much as I would wish that things would be different, I I feel like there's a very sceptical part of me that's just saying, no, it would just be a repeat of humanity, except I guess everyone there would be rich. Yeah. Uh, Rohan, what do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with Sara, especially about the money part, because as as we've seen on Earth, humans love money. Humans are greedy. And I actually, I, I just, I thought about it. And if everyone on Mars is rich, then what is the value of money? I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But, yeah, uh, it's but, but it sort of becomes defeatist, mm. doesn't it? The other thing is, uh, when you first posed the question, Miranda, my first, my first thought was a history textbook. Uh, in schools today in England, the one component of history that is mandatory to teach is the Holocaust. Yeah. And with good reason, people don't want history to repeat itself in that sense. Mm -hmm. And it brought me to wonder, what if this climate crisis becomes one of those mandatory things? Mm -hmm. What if it reaches a point where we realise, okay, we don't want this to repeat. Let's teach everyone about it from a young age so they don't repeat it. I'm not sure that what the likelihood of that happening is, but I feel like it would definitely be a useful step in the same way that putting all Holocaust uh, teachings in textbooks has done the same thing, or at least we hope. I think that's it's like a really optimistic view of the future. But as we were saying, kind of the greed that's almost inherent within humanity, I think that would be a big obstacle because... Is we'd have to radically change the way in which we live our lives if we do that. If we're teaching children from a young age that, you know, using a car is bad for the environment, what does that mean for car companies? You know, if we're teaching them that they should only eat vegan food, what does that mean for kind of meat manufacturers? If we're raising our children to be environmentally aware, obviously I would love that. I think that's an amazing way to live um, as a society. But there would be so many economical and social impacts of that that I just, I don't know if it would work in a way, in order to kind of enact the changes that we'd want it to, we would have to really change the way in which we live and in which our economy works. Do you know what, though? I feel like within that lies opportunity. So, like for example, you spoke about car manufacturers. Well, we could say that then what could happen is that cars don't cease to exist it's just ones that are eco-friendly become popularized and the dominant i guess um like in like form of car being driven and then with that comes opportunity where the car manufacturers don't have to close everyone gets to keep their job because they're still obviously i think there'd be a like a period of financial turbulence where actually in fact it would be unfortunate that people would probably lose their jobs as they're trying to adjust to the new, I guess, way things are working. However, after that, you have then jobs being created in the, sci- in the I think, quaternary sector, right? Where they're scientific, mm-hmm. where they can develop the technology to go into these cars that are, is going to be eco-friendly. And then the business starts booming again because efficient but eco-friendly transport becomes popularised. And then you also mentioned, um, like, meat production, um okay this one's a bit more of a stretch but there's like uh you know how like there's these like impossible burgers being come like that are being launched by burger chains and it's been proven that it is possible to make a substitute for meat that tastes and has the same texture as meat you could then maybe say that because those are all plant-based and they come from crops like they use hemoglobin from plants to give it that meaty taste um you could then argue that people who work within that sector in the primary sector to produce the meat in the first place, they could just shift what they're, I guess, producing and instead 
obviously have some cattle and whatever for whatever means it's needed for but actually then maybe their primary production could actually be the, the materials required to make this synthetic meat i know that one's a bit more of a stretch but i, no, no, I think that within yeah, i guess the yeah. crisis and the change in society and habits lies opportunity i i but i don't know yeah no no i think actually you made a really good point and i i was quite pessimistic and thinking about it but kind of coming from your point of view you're right in that every uh, industry is driven by demand and if there is a higher demand for eco-friendly products especially if as i said like we teach our children from a very young age then you're right i think there is scope to build a more environmentally friendly society so i'm feeling a bit more optimistic about that thank you for no that, Sarah. <laughs> um what i wanted to know though is okay this is like just talking about this idea of living on mars and i guess being eco-friendly on mars the first thing that's weirding me out is just imagine waking up and seeing the ground outside is red because you're living on a red planet like that's like but um (laughs) what do you think industry would be like then on mars well i can say for sure it 100 percent would not be fossil fuel based yeah uh, like because to hear. simply put, there's no fossil fuels on Mars because there's no fossils because there was no mm. life. So that's definitely a plus. All energy would have to be renewable. And that's not just by consumer demand. I think the fact that there's no, no source of detrimental, uh, environmentally upsetting fuels on Mars, it, it helps sort of helps the the evolution of energy production in the sense that it it doesn't, I don't want to say forces us, but it does. If we are to set up a colony on Mars, we would be forced to use renewable energy sources, wind power, solar power, etc. Because there are no options for alternatives, and it's it's a good Mm. thing. Okay, this is a bit of an odd question, I guess, but when we were doing Geography GCSE back in the day, um, we obviously had a whole unit on um, like energy and renewable energy. And one of the things that I found myself actually coming around to was the idea of nuclear energy, where at the moment we have um, nuclear fission, where we split the atoms to get the energy. And it was explained that although right now we don't have the technology for nuclear fusion, am I getting this right? I th- no, no, no. I think, yeah. oh no, how have I forgotten this? Um, basically, there are two forms, there's fission and fusion. The one we're using currently is, Rohan, help me out. It's vision. You, okay, you yeah, okay, the first cool. time, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, we don't have the technology for that right now, but people are working towards it. So you obviously mentioned we'd be using solar and wind energy if we were on Mars. What room is there for nuclear energy, do you think? And do you think it would actually, like, could you weigh up the pros and cons of having it on Mars, whether it would work, whether you think, or whether you think we need other forms of energy? I think that depends on how developed Mars is. And the reason I say that is because what we have right now in fission energy, it's extremely efficient. There's no, uh, there's no harmful gas produced, but there is a lot of radioactive waste mm. produced. And if we're in a situation wherein the entirety of Mars has got settlements all over it, then I think finding a place to dispense that waste would be the challenge. But if we've only got small settlements scattered around Mars, then I suppose having extra nuclear waste could be a problem that's easily overcome. It could be disposed of. Mm. Uh, And again, you've got its own environmental issues and everything, but it's better than nothing, What if we have fusion? What if we develop the technology for nuclear fusion and then we have that on Mars? How does that scenario change? Or does it change at all? Fusion, as far as I know, fusion changes the scenario fairly drastically um now fusion you're you're merging atoms you're putting a, uh, atom substances under such immense heat and pressure that their nuclei fuse and you get a different element altogether and this gives off a huge amount of energy it's exactly how stars work so effectively you'd have your own little star powering stuff on that's really cute <laughs> sorry <laughs> just a little star <laughs> 
you were talking about um, if we use nuclear fission, then we'd have sort of radioactive waste. Now, I'm not a scientist by any stretch. Um, theoretically, let's say we've moved to Mars because Earth is uninhabitable. Let's say there's no one left on Earth. And let's say we have the capacity to travel. Do you think it'd be possible to use Earth as like a dumping ground for our nuclear waste? This is just being this totally is like theoretical. Really, you know that movie? Is that, is that actually a feasible uh, <laughs> idea? <laughs> just Earth becomes our dustbin. <laughs> but if there's no one there, I think if it reaches that point, it would be quite sad to see. Mm. Um, and actually, you've just given me another question. What would happen to all oh, the animals? Oh, yeah, forgot about them. Uh, but I could, I could see it happening. And do you know what? With the way humans are, with the, uh, with the capitalist drive that we've got going here, I think it probably would happen if it needed to happen. Okay, this is an even more like super random question, but it just occurred to me when Miranda spoke about like essentially throwing our junk onto Earth. <laughs> you know the movie. Um, <laughs> What is it, Wally? Right, the like wall e thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How feasible is that scenario? That's what I want. like. How realistic is it that we could live like that? Do you have you seen the movie? No. Mm-hmm. Yes, but a long time ago. You know how like, yes, like, robot, like that one robot left on Earth who just scrapped everything, and that's yeah. his job. But then all the people are up in space, and in fairness, they got they became very overweight because they were very lazy and they were just sat on these chairs all the time and then they're living like in a giant spaceship how feasible is that as a solution as far as a giant spaceship goes um you're gonna have to think of an absolutely massive spaceship to hold eight billion people um especially when human population is growing at such a, a mm. high rate um but again it's it all comes down to how is it going to be powered? Uh, what's, where's the energy going to come from? Because something like that requires a huge amount of energy. And this then takes us back full circle. Is that energy going to be environmentally friendly? Uh, it's, it's, it might well be feasible, but I don't think we'll see it in our Never lifetimes. Ever. Nor do I think... <laughs> no. Yeah, no, nor do I think anyone within the next at least two centuries, is going to see anything remotely close I don't to know, Rohan, you could be the scientist that breaks it. You could be like, hey guys, <laughs> we're going to recreate this movie. I, I'm all for recreating movies in real <laughs> it life. It could work, you know? but... Just hopefully not one where humanity becomes extremely overweight, because I do feel yeah. like we're lazy enough that if, that was an, if it was an option to live our life just by sitting in giant chairs every day, Unfortunately, I think most people would take it. Yeah, literally. Me included. I so would. I'm great at sitting down as well. Like, it's a talent of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just wondering, what was your actual, like, EPQ question? Like... So... uh, Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I was just wondering, because I understood, like, the content of yours, but I don't think I ever knew, like, literally what your question was so i i asked myself um how likely is it that humans will fully colonize mars uh within the next within the near future was the actual way mm. i worded it N- well, okay how near is near future though exactly so that was that was obviously the first thing i had to um i had to address and i said that near future was the next hundred years and that's a quite that's, optimistic yeah yeah, yeah that's quite, that quite near Looking, looking back on it, I realised just how optimistic 100 years is. Uh, at the time of writing it, I, I went with the argument that it seemed like a long time to most, but on a galactic scale, that was barely mm. an instant. Um, obviously, that's quite optimistic to say 100 years. Uh, I came to the conclusion in the end that it's probably unlikely that in that near future, we will see it. Uh, and quite a few people who responded to the survey also said the same thing, but... Uh, it was a fairly even split between uh, yes and no for the question of wh- whether we'll do it, surprisingly. I think a lot of people would like to think that we'd be able to. I think we sort of hope that our lifetime will be the one in which something huge happens. Yeah. You know, something huge positively, not a global pandemic, I think we all hope. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that we we would be quite optimistic about it, purely because we'd be hopeful, because 
it's, it's a really cool idea to be honest um and i wonder whether the people who responded were really thinking about it realistically and how much of a challenge it would be or whether they were just sort of saying yeah you know we went to the moon we stayed on the moon for a little bit why don't we send the whole population to mars yeah not not that hard would you guys want to like if the option presented itself to live on another planet um either because you had no choice because earth was dying a bit morbid but or just just as like a would you want to go to this other planet would you I think if it became our only option, yes, of course. I mean, if it became our only option, then yeah. I don't really have a choice. But no. um, if if I was to, if someone was to ask me in the next week, do you want to go to Mars and leave everything on Earth behind, leave everyone you know behind? I would. Yeah. I don't think I would. No, me neither. I'm I'm quite attached to my. Yeah, I I love her. Like I think. I think I yeah. obviously if it became a like plausible thing to be able to go out and explore, I think it'd be a great thing to be able to see like other pl- places and other planets. But like I, I think I'd always want to come back here to live. I think. Yeah, I think there's a big commitment to move to a whole other planet. You know, <laughs> I find it difficult yeah. moving house, less alone. <laughs> what do you go for tomorrow? space travel? So. Like? I don't know. I think there's also a massive risk to space travel. I say, okay, if I was diagnosed with a terminal illness, then I would definitely be more kind of, I'd want to experience more things. But at the moment, I think I'm quite happy with just Mm. life as it is. And I wouldn't really want to take that risk and I wouldn't want to leave everything Mm. behind. Yeah, Uh, I have to agree. I mean, it's, there's too much here to give up for me. Uh, it wouldn't feel right. Yeah, I'm, I'm too invested, no. you know? It, it's like, it's a, I've got a really bad analogy, but it's like when you start watching a TV show, and even when it gets bad around, like, the fifth or sixth season, you just sort of stick with it because you know you have to. <coughs> Doctor Who? Sorry, what? <laughs> Someone say something? <laughs> um, but it's like, literally, that's just how I, like, I guess, at, like, put life on earth into an analogy where it's like it's great for a while sometimes it's pretty bad but you've got to stick with it mm, you've got a certain loyalty yeah still, 100%. like even if you hate where you're yeah. from you still deep down you've got like that that pride yeah, yeah. like i i don't Have know you lost I'm, your trip? i don't know i'm gonna go with it <laughs> Yeah, hi. honestly, that happens to me every episode we do at least five times. So, no, same, or, or, I or you just completely like I'll for. fumble my words so easily. Where I just go, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, no, that wasn't a sentence. Hey, it's fine, we, we move. I mean, yeah, I think the last thing we wanted to talk about, um, before we end the episode because it's been you know, we've been talking for a good 55 minutes, uh. We just wanted to kind of leave it on uh, uh, talking a little bit about not the the near future in a hundred years, but the near future for mm. us in you know the next week or so. What we're going to try and achieve, not you know, not trying to get a mark out of it or anything. Doesn't necessarily have to be that productive, but what would we like to say that we've done by next by week? Next week? All right, Rohan, I'll let you go first. Uh, well. You've certainly uh, given a new meaning to new f- near future there, so I'll need to think about that one. Next week, uh, I'd definitely like to say I would be keeping up with my uh, my schoolwork. Um, I think forming a routine will definitely be an important thing for me to go and do. Yeah. I'd like to... I, I don't... Should, should I don't we know, expand actually. it then? Should uh, we say... On in like the nearest future in terms of next week, obviously, because I think we all have similar goals in that we want to get our workouts to be consistent, we want to get our schoolwork done, we want to do formal routine. I think we can all three maybe agree on that. Mm. I don't know. Then should we yeah. say yeah for oh, we don't know how long this self isolation is going to last, do we? Actually, oh sorry, physical distancing. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. So if it's assumed that we won't be back at school until September, which is what 
I guess all of us have kind of been told. Should we say, in the next few months, whether or not this pandemic continues, but now that we've got some time to ourselves, what would you, what, what do we hope to maybe achieve? I know that I definitely like to read more. I think, um, especially as an aspiring English student at uni, I I definitely need to pick need to be picking up books that aren't related to my studies I think obviously I love taking three essay based subjects but it has taken the joy out mm. of reading a little bit um now I feel like reading is a chore if I see words that I don't have to read I don't want to read them anymore just because I'm so kind of bombarded oh Sarah has oh, poor connection on wait Sarah, what does hear me oh don't worry okay never mind <laughs> I'm gonna end on whatsapp call uh yeah so um, I would just like to read for pleasure more. Um, I'm in the middle of reading Jane Eyre as part of our kind of wider mm. reading around the Gothic. And it's it's interesting. It's a weird style. Um, it went from being quite a sort of boring 18th century romance to suddenly being very dark and Gothic and quite scary, to be honest, um, which I wasn't really expecting. But I'd like to read a variety of books, some fiction, some non-fiction. So I think that's really okay. my main goal. That, I, like, I, I second that. Rohan? If you'd asked me, uh, if you'd asked me in the last couple of days, I would have said I want to learn a language, but I don't feel I have the motivation. <laughs> Especially after going through five years of oh, oh, trying no. to learn Mandarin. <laughs> that just brought back PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I, I'd love to learn oh, music okay. theory. Okay, That's super interesting, yeah. At the moment, so I play the guitar, uh, but I w- I never learned music theory. I just sort of learned how to play the guitar at the most basic level and then just said, right, I'm now going to go learn this song, mm. this song, and this song. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to maybe start uh, teaching myself music theory itself uh, and maybe use that knowledge Ooh, to learn the piano. That is a great goal. Wow. Fine. Okay, yeah. I guess my yeah. turn. Um, I completely agree with what Miranda said. Um, the difference is I only have one essay subject. So what I found is that I love reading again and I'm like really enjoying it. And what I've, I've kind of stumbled onto um, Camus, who's now one of my favourite authors. Um, and that's brought in a new thing where I like reading books that aren't philosophical in their teachings. They don't say here is the theory of ethics, but they present philosophical journeys through their characters, which is what both he and Herman Hesse and from that I'd say my main goal um for this period of time is actually just to do a lot of like self-reflecting I know that sounds really like ugh to hear but I, I I've noticed like a significant like I guess I've matured significantly in between year 11 and year 12 and I'm pleased about that but I know I have like a really long way to go in terms of being the best version of me. I know that sounds super cringe. I hate saying that. But it... Yeah, uh, it makes sense. I think we'd all kind of become the better version of ourselves, especially in this time. It is a good time to sort of mm. reflect, as you said, and kind of reflect about what's important to us and what our priorities really are when you take away all the sort of outside factors yeah. like school and work. And so like and from like that. that, I guess that's like my main thing. I just want to sort of develop myself as a person. But also, I need to improve my Arabic, so I'll be doing that too. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's like a nice, happy note to end it on, right? Yeah, good way to... Wait, hello? <laughs> I think my sound just got uh, out for a second. <laughs> um, but I think, thank you so much, Rohan, then, for joining us for this episode. Like, yes, thank you. Thank like, you for honestly, I learned so much. Topic. It's super interesting. Um, yeah. Thanks, oh, thank you. Really We'd love to have you back anytime. Good. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah, I'd be glad to come back. Reoccurring guest Good. now. <laughs> We've done it. Hey. Um, Miranda, should we do it? Yeah, I think so. I think all that's left been to sorry. say is that. Um, oh, wait, sorry. Oh, no, I messed up. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> go again. Go again. I'll let you finish. <laughs> is it me first? No, no, it's you first. I it's keep forgetting. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've been Sarah, and this has been, I've been Miranda. the Common Ground Podcast. The Common Ground. It's so difficult when we're not together because <laughs> I can't see. <laughs>
we we should probably just pre Oh my god, should we actually? Put it in at the end. <laughs> oh, we'll see, we'll see. Right. Okay, out. right. Thanks everyone. Bye.